Well, uh, good morning, Rockridge. Uh, as David said, my name is Chris Reyes. Uh, I'm a deacon in the United Methodist Church. Uh, if you don't know what that means, that's okay. Most people don't. Uh, it's a different kind of reverence. So David is what's called an elder. He's, uh, he's the kind of pastor that helps run a church and uh, order the church, do sacraments, those kind of things. A deacon, we serve in uh, more specific ministries, often in extension ministries or ministries outside of the church, which is where I am. I serve at Southwestern University in Georgetown. I work in their career and professional development area, and uh, essentially what I do is I run on-campus internships for students who uh, may have a risk factor at graduation that the, traditionally may prevent them from graduating, such as being first in their family to go to college or uh, other such things where they need some extra resources. Um, so that's a little bit about what I do. Uh, I have been attending here at Rockbridge for a couple of months now. Um, my wife's right here, Ellen, by the way. Uh, we have a son, 15-month-old, named Eli, if you haven't seen us around. Um, hi. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, throat is crazy. So in, in becoming a deacon, I kind of had to go through a process, uh, still going through a process, and, and what I had to do was discern where my fit in the body of Christ was. Uh, so remember last week, David was talking about how the body has various parts, there's apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, right, all of these ways that you can serve or be a part of the body, and that all of them are important, and everyone needs its fit. And so as I, as I went through the process, I had to discern, am I an elder, am I a deacon, am I like a, most like a pastor, am I a layperson, what, what, where do I fit? And it was a long process, and eventually got me to where I am now. And as David was talking last week, it made me think about how important it is that we find our fit, that we find where God has called us to serve and to be a part of the body, because we are necessary in that spot, right? And if you think about it in terms of, of the metaphor of a body, right, if an eye tries to be a hand, it's not going to work very well, right? An eye is an eye. So finding where you belong is very important. But once you're there, once you're there, sometimes we find out that the body doesn't maybe work so well together all the time. Have you ever... Uh, I don't know how to conflict with somebody else in the church or uh, maybe you see denominational conflicts and we don't always get along as the church, right? But when you think about the body, if, if your body isn't communicating well with itself, if your body is, is fighting against itself, it's not working the way it's supposed to. Uh, I was doing some reading and, and uh, read, up, read up on autoimmune diseases. If you've, I don't know if you've heard of these. You, you probably know someone who's had one or seen it on like House or one of the medical shows. They often like to bring in these. But essentially, an autoimmune disease is where your body thinks one part of itself is not supposed to be there, even though it's a perfectly healthy, normal part of the body, and it starts attacking it, and it makes your body sicker and sicker, and it starts to shut down and they have these various diseases. The, the life of the body of Christ can work in that very same way. If, if we're just attacking and attacking and going and we're fighting amongst ourselves, then the body is weakened and is in pain and can't live up to its full potential. And so Paul in Ephesians 4, 17 to 32 starts to talk about this. Uh, Paul, when he's writing these letters, is often addressing specific things that these churches were dealing with. So uh, we need to listen to what he's saying because it's things that all churches deal with. So starting in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17, we have 
So I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like the Gentiles anymore. They base their lives on pointless thinking, and they're in the dark in their reasoning. They're disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong, and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good, and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed. Whenever someone uses the words, uh, so I'm telling you this, or some translations use therefore, take a look at what was right before it. Uh, Because here Paul is saying, so because I've just told you all of this stuff about how important it is that everybody knows what they do in the body, and there's all these different ways to be a part of the body, because of that, don't do this. So because we are one body that that has to work all together, he's saying, I insist that you don't live like you used to. Here he's using the Gentiles to basically say unbelievers, those who don't believe in the way of Jesus Christ. Because they live how they want, because they they give into their own desires, they are separated by the hardness of their own hearts. Because they think that they know better than God, they're disconnected. And being disconnected from God means that they have to fend for themselves in terms of their own morality. And uh, if we know anything about human nature, we know that left to our own devices, we just spiral down. And Paul says it ends with them engaging in every sort of corruption along with greed. That left on their own, they just get more uh, basic and down until they're engaging in all the things that they know they shouldn't be. So Paul's saying, don't do these things anymore, rather do these things. And so then it's in verse 20 to 24 we see, but you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, Renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. So Paul's saying this isn't what you learned, right? You, you know you shouldn't do these things. Perhaps there were some people in Ephesus that needed some reminding. Hey, remember you learned about Jesus, about what Christ did. You learned from me, from others, what Jesus did and how you should be Don't do those. Instead, get rid of the old self. Paul Paul uses this metaphor of clothing several times in his writing, and it's a way of talking about uh, taking off the old, dirty, stained junk and getting rid of it, and instead putting on the new, the clean, the fresh. Uh, If you've ever uh, spent a hard day working outside and um, you know, maybe uh, digging up some dirt, or yesterday I was working on a, a deck and I was basically playing in the mud for four hours trying to get this header on the back of the house, and I just came in and felt disgusting, right? And I was like, I'm not that dirty, but it just feels gross and slimy, and so I had to go rinse off and put on new clothes. Because we have this innate way of knowing, I, I don't feel quite good. Maybe you get that sense in your spirit or uh, a little conscious speaking to you saying, hey, this, this thing right here is not very good. You should get rid of it and instead put on this new thing. 
And look, look who's talking about it, right? This is Paul. If you don't know anything or much about the story of Paul, Paul was not only at the first stoning of a martyr, he held people's coats so that they could stone Stephen more efficiently. He was really all about persecuting the Christians. He was on his way to arrest Christians to probably have them killed on his way to Damascus, and he has this encounter with God. He feels this change within him as scales fall from his eyes after being prayed over, and he immediately changes. Because because I have encountered God, because I have encountered Christ and what Christ has done, I can't live like that anymore. And he changes directions, and he's reminding the Ephesians of that. Uh, Early on in uh, my ministry, I was a youth director at a a church out in Georgetown, and I went on CTCYM. I know many of you have done that or have heard about it. We send a a big group from here. And uh, if you've ever been on one, you know, you come home at the end of the week, and you're tired, you're exhausted, actually, Uh, usually getting home at like 10 p.m. after an all-day drive and closing worship, and you've had like four hours of sleep every night for a week. And I'm not going to unpack tonight. I don't know if you have that. I'm, just, I'm sticking my suitcase over there. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Well, the next day is Sunday, right? So you get up, and we go to church, and we have a big celebration, and then I get home, and I really still don't want to deal with that suitcase, but I know I should, so I open it up, and I start putting some things away. And the way I, I do mission trips, I bring a giant black trash bag, and all my dirty clothes just go in this big trash bag. Uh, so by the time a week comes around, that, that Sunday after the first day, um, they're really, really smelly. Um, the clothes I wore on Monday have been sitting in a black bag for six days, closed up. And I'm just adding more and more. And so uh, I remember this was early on. It was before I met Ellen. Don't worry. She didn't have to deal with this. Uh, she wouldn't have let me. Um, and I get this bag, and I'm, just, I'm still so tired. I'm like, I'll deal with this later. But it smells really bad, and I don't want it in my house right now. So I take it outside, and I set it on the little concrete patio thing, and I let it just kind of air out. You know, I'll, I'll get to that later. And then later is the next day, and then the next week. And, and then it's been a few months, and this bag has been sitting outside um, because I was a very lazy bachelor. And finally one day I look at it, and I go, oh, yeah, I should probably clean these. Uh, so I, I go to get them, and I realize these clothes have now been rained on. They've been baking in the Texas heat because uh, CTCYM is in June, and so you're going through July and August and the hottest parts of the summer, and I open it up, and the smell is like something you don't want to imagine. I, I had a dog at the time, and I realized he has peed on this bag a few times <laughs> because it smells a little funky, and I look, and I go, you know there are some shirts in here that were some of my favorite shirts. Uh, I had this shirt that had, uh, if you know who Mr. Feeney is from Boy Meets World, it had his face on it, and it says, I, everything, everything I need to know in life, I learned from Mr. Feeney. And I love that shirt. I actually had to buy another one because this one was not salvageable. And I, I start looking through, and I, I don't think I can save any of this, right? And so I eventually give up, and I toss it out. Well, except for one pair of work pants that I did keep and clean, because it was at the bottom. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, Ellen says I have to throw it away. Um, but I have this old, dirty bag of clothes, and I've let it sit there and fester and get worse and worse until I finally give in and throw it away. And Paul's saying, your old self 
is like this old, nasty, dirty bag of clothes. It's been sitting there, it's been festering, it's been getting gross, and you need to get rid of it. Maybe don't wait a few months, maybe just deal with it in the moment, but you need to get rid of it. And, and I, I sat there going through the bag thinking, maybe I can keep some of these. I mean, they smell kind of bad, but that's what the washer's for, right? I think I should just get rid of it. Elsewhere, Paul in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, talks about transforming ourselves. He says that we are, we are made holy and that we should transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. That in a way, it's kind of like a washing machine for dirty clothes, right? That uh, it makes us clean. It, it purifies away those things that are dirty. He says that Christ has renewed us, that, that we are made new and whole in the moment of salvation, but that it's also this ongoing process. We have to continue to seek out connection with God in order to be more like Christ and to figure out what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And he reminds us, this isn't a one-time thing. It's not just that in the moment of salvation, when you give yourself to God, that's it. It's all good. It's done. There's this ongoing continuing thing we call sanctification or becoming more and more like Christ. That every time we find something that shouldn't be in our lives, one of those pieces of old dirty clothing, we should say, hey, I need to clean this up. I need to get rid of it. And every time we find another one, we do the same thing. And it's this lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, Paul, ever the, the present preacher and teacher, gives us some really good examples. And starting in verse 25, he says, Therefore, remember, therefore, therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying, each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor, because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ. So what does it look like? Paul, Paul gives us here some really concrete examples most likely examples that were happening in the body of the Ephesians. He says, first, stop lying to each other. In fact, he doesn't just say stop lying. He says, once you've gotten rid of lying, like that's the easy part, then tell the truth. Right? Because there's lies of commission, right, where we purposefully lie. And there's, then there's what we call lies of omission, right, where we maybe just don't tell somebody something because we think... It, it might not be good, so we're just, we're just going to avoid it instead of telling the truth. He says, no, 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 don't just not lie, tell 
each other the truth. Because we are parts of each other in the same body. Lying to one another only harms the body. Have you ever had uh, someone lie to you and seen how it affects that relationship between you? Right? It affects that trust. You start to feel like, well, I don't know, are they really telling me the truth? Do I need, to, I need to verify what they're saying? Can somebody else tell me, yeah, that actually happened? It erodes trust. And the body has to be able to trust that each part is going to do what it's supposed to do. And he says, don't let your anger cause you to sin. Right? Don't let the sun set on your anger. Be angry without sinning. Notice he doesn't say don't be angry. It's a really important distinction. So we see righteous anger throughout the Bible. Jesus had righteous anger. Paul we see having righteous anger as we read about him in Acts. Others throughout the New Testament. Anger in itself is not necessarily the problem. Anger is a natural human emotion. It's when we let the anger take over. Right? So, so Paul says, be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on it. It's, he's talking about this, this consuming anger. Maybe you felt it. It kind of churns your stomach. You think about the, the person or the situation, and it just kind of riles you up again. You can feel your, your blood pressure. Maybe your ears turn a little red, and you just, just feel like you're ready to, to go a few rounds with somebody. That's the kind of anger Paul here is talking about. Don't let the sun set on that anger. Deal with it. Right? And dealing with it may be removing yourself from a situation that was causing you to have that anger. doesn't mean you always have to stick around in that situation. Dealing with it will always mean forgiveness. Now, forgiveness does not mean you then keep allowing them to do wrong, but it means you're taking it out of your own hands out of the pit of your churning stomach, and you're giving it to God. So it says, don't be consumed by it because that leads to bitterness. And bitterness gives the enemy a foothold. Bitterness lets the devil poke and prod you over and over again. Bring that thing up over and over again in your head and in your stomach. and keeps dragging you down with it. And then Paul says, stop stealing, right? Thieves should no longer steal. There's a good practical thing there. Don't steal, go to work, give out of your abundance. But I think there's a deeper, uh, maybe deeper spiritual thing we can take from that. Because while we may not steal, um, I bet there are places in our lives where we are takers, where we mostly just kind of take and receive and we don't really give. And so Paul's saying, give instead. Stop just being this person who collects from others. And instead, do something so that you can give out. And it may not be the same thing. There's probably an area of your life where you're just in a need of receiving. It's not saying don't receive. But it's saying if all you do is receive and you're never giving out, that's probably a problem. And instead, do good with your hands, do works so that you will have something to share with whoever is in need. So Paul's talking materially, but this can apply spiritually, this can apply to the life of the church, this can apply to work, to your family, to so many areas. Take stock of your life. Where are you being that taker, and where can you give, maybe in ways that you haven't been? 
And then like lying, foul words or, or words that are meant to tear down and demean others just harm the body. Instead, we should build others up. Notice Paul doesn't say just build them up for their own self-esteem. That's, that's good. That's important. People need that. But it's for the good of the community. It says what is helpful when it is needed for the building up, for building up the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. So it's not just for that individual that you talk to. It's for those who overhear your conversation or who see how you live and act and treat others. Because just in the same way as when when you're shouting at someone and you're tearing them down, other people hear that. When you share good words and you build them up, it can bring others up at the same time. So put all of these worldly, do-what-I-want things aside like that bag of old, dirty clothes. Get rid of it. Instead, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other. Paul says to forgive as you have been forgiven, not as you have been forgiven by other people, but as you have been forgiven by God through Christ. And that way of being forgiven is is all-encompassing. It's Jesus praying, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's, God, I don't want to take this cup on me. I don't want to die, but I will do it if it's what needs to happen. Forgive them anyway. That's the kind of forgiveness that Paul here is saying give to others. And it's not easy. (laughs) It's hard. I recently, uh, working on this sermon, I I kind of wanted to uh, say, tell David uh, thanks but no thanks. Because I'm, I'm dealing with a situation now where I am feeling some, some struggle, some bitterness, some anger, and I recognize it, and I want to get rid of it, and I'm working on it every day. But it's really hard not to let it just kind of well up inside of me and to lash out. But instead, I have to thank God that through Christ has forgiven me, I need to forgive. And every day, every moment, It's a process, just like that process of sanctification. It's that slow movement towards being more like God. So as people who know the truth about God and and what Jesus has done for us, we should keep, we should leap at the chance to forgive others in the way that God has forgiven us, in this way that makes no sense to the world, but in this way that God calls us to. Amen.